Welcome everyone to Into the West, the Middle Earth SVG podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles and with me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. This is a special episode where we will be covering Quest of the Ringbearer, the newest book from Games Workshop. And we will be covering the portion of the book that applies for match play and tournaments and competitive play. And with this new Quest of the Ringbearer book, we have four new profiles. And I think in there, there's five legendary legions. Any general thoughts on this book before we dive into the profiles? Theme, 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 theme. Yes. Ian just said, I think, is for the times that you like to play narrative scenarios, this is the dream book following along, essentially doing an entire campaign, rules for the campaign. Being able to do it from both the standpoint of ring bearer or the opposition, it's just looks like it's a lot of fun that way. Obviously, a good few legendary legions included as well, so that really rounds it out. I think all in all, it seems like a pretty good book. Yeah, it's got a full campaign from the Shire all the way to uh, the Crack of Doom and also an option to uh, run your own fantasy fellowship. So yeah, it's definitely a really exciting book for narrative players. So going to the new profiles in the Legendary Legions, we have two new profiles for Minas Tirith, and they are Anborn and Mablung, two Rangers of Athelion that are also in the Rangers of Athelion Legendary Legion. They're minor heroes with you know one attack, one wound, one might, one will, one fate. They each have a special rule. Uh, one of them has a similar rule to Narzug, which is like he gets a modifier each turn kind of like a might point that he can use on his shooting to roll uh, to hit in the way and to wound. And the other one is Mablung. He has a rule called Bird Calls, which gives all rangers and ranger heroes within six of him stock and scene. And they can also shoot at targets that have stock and scene. Thoughts on these two profiles? Well, if you're playing against a Mirkwood Ranger list, I know who I want to take in my list. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. They... Both the heroes are cool. I don't know how much it adds to the list, honestly. It gives a bit more flexibility. I don't know if it really helps you scale up that well. You want, yeah, and actually know. at your tournament earlier this year, I actually played a Mirkwood, um, not a Mirkwood Ranger, but um, a fully like Elven-cloaked Lothlorien army. And Mablung would have made a huge difference because it turned out to be a standoff and there was not like a single combat in the whole game. We just kind of sat in the back and just didn't do anything so oh, that could have yeah. really helped i remember for a couple of your games i looked over at your table and i was just like why are you guys just sitting there yeah it looks like you haven't moved from your start position it was the most boring game that ended in a draw ever amazing yeah i kind of agree with you they don't seem like they would add a lot to minas tirith uh, maybe to rangers of Athelion as like more options more tools but Overall, for the Minas Tirith list, with already an army list with so many heroes, I don't know how much of a difference it would actually make. Yeah, I, I don't know why they kind of added two profiles to the Legendary Legion, because, I mean, everyone has already complained about how good they were at low points, like a top-tier army. So I don't know what Games Workshop was thinking when it came to this. There's so many other lists that could use additional profiles. I don't quite get why they cost 35 points each either. Like, I, at least, like, the one with the plus one, I, I don't know. That's Well, weird. compared to Damrod, they have exactly the same profiles, and yeah. they're just they're just paying 10 points for that special rule, which seems a little bit high to me. Well, like, I think, like I, think I would take Damrod first. 
Well, would, would you say Anborn, though, would be... He's probably the better of the two. I mean, Mablong with the bird call thing, that seems kind of situational. Like, who takes Elven Cloaks anymore? Really competitively not not that, that many lists. sure they don't <laughs> yeah exactly but then anborn if he's 10 points over and he gets essentially a free might a turn shooting most games you're probably going to be able to get at least two turns off shooting so i would say on average he's more cost efficient than damron slightly yeah it depends how much you get out of um, yep. that free might you could maybe uh, use it on in the way and reduce your roll result, right? Try to mite down and hit like an enemy horse or something. Um, I do think Mablung, I agree with you. Like I think at low points, which is when you want to run Rangers of Athelion, you won't be facing Blinding Light, so you'll win the shoot war anyway. Stock and scene, to me, it's, it's not a game breaker. I think two profiles for Athelion, really. It's just about variety. It's about a couple of neat little special rules to throw in there. You know, they're fun rules, obviously, uh, being able to use a might point for free in in the shoot phase. It's fun, something that obviously isn't game-breaking. I don't think you're going to—it doesn't make either of them auto-takes. You know, I think it's all about just adding those options. And I think at low points, you might see them show up. Just Yeah, at low points, it's basically going to be, do you want Damrod and a dude, or do you want one of these guys? And that's just going to come down to, I don't know, whatever your tournament is, or what if you just want to mess around with the rules. Not a big deal. And then we have two new heroes in the Wanderers of the Wild. We have Barleman Butterbur, who is the innkeeper in Bree. And then we have Harry Goatleaf, which is the gatekeeper at Bree. So Barleyman, he's historical allies with the Fellowship. And uh, he, he's convenient allies, it looks like, with quite a few good lists. So the thing that he can do is, if he spends a will on a roll of a 5+, he can allow a friendly model to regain a wound. And then if he does it on a Fellowship member, it's a 4+. And he also has synergy with Build-A-Pony. Um, he allows you to take um, Bill and Barleyman Butterbur without Sam. It gives you a discount for Bill. So Bill only costs 10 points rather than 25 he also benefits from Bill's official meals and second breakfast special rule. It's, it seems like it's a thematic narrative profile that would be fun to use in like a scenario. I don't know how competitive he would actually be. I don't know if the healing uh, a wound on a 5 plus or 4 plus would be that beneficial for 40 points. Thoughts? Well, the thing is... You can ally him in a bunch of these other lists, but on a 5+, plus, I don't think it's ever worth it. So the only consideration is putting him in the Fellowship to get that 4+. plus. But even then, 40 points is quite a bit. I mean, I wish he could ride Build a Pony. <laughs> yeah. That would make him a bit more yeah. viable. He only has 3 will as well. So on a 5+, plus, that's, that's only on average 1 wound back for 40 points. I mean, I do like the fact that he has Heroic Defense. And at D4, I mean, and two fate, he's kind of tanky. The heroic defense is, is nice, yeah. But he only has the one might, right? And then build a pony only works on a fellowship member. Yeah. Would he count as a member of the fellowship in that case? Uh, no, historical alliance. So he would be a green uh, alliance. Because then, then I could see an argument for him. Because then, he he, then he could get Will back from Bill. Well, it says here, it says, additionally, Barley Man may benefit from Bill the Pony's official meals and second breakfast special rule. Oh, so he yeah. can. He can get he Will can. back. Yeah. On a five so, plus. Yeah, so 50 points and you can get back wounds. I mean, uh, no. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like if you had that and Bill and like and you allied it into a Hobbit list, it might be pretty good because then Bill counts as a banner, right? He that's... counts as a banner to Hobbits. So that's kind of nice. Because then could he give himself a wound back? It says uh, base contact with a friendly hero model. So I don't think he can be base contact with himself. Damn. So I would say no. <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, still, though, in, in like a Hobbit list, he had something. Yeah. Right? His base contact heal reminds me of Oin from Thorn's Company. And just seeing that Oin is not a very common pick kind of gives you an idea. Because this, to me, kind of feels like a similar effect. Mm-hmm. I think this whole conversation at this point is kind of like flogging a dead dull the pony. It's a fun profile, but I, I don't see him being included in competitive lists. Narrative scenarios, sure. Random scenarios where you want to do a, a Bree situation or something with the Hobbits and Barlamin or doing Barlamin. And I've heard whispers of something involving Sharky's rogues, but... Oh, that's the next profile. Oh, sorry, that's, that's, um... Yeah. That's <laughs> I the, think, just quick, there's a bit of potential... Wait, is he... Oh, he's allies with the shark. There's a bit of potential if you took, like, him, and then with Bill, and then one of the Hobbit heroes with, like, 15 Hobbits, and then allied into elves, just, like, boost numbers and give you weird, like, giving back wounds and stuff. I think there's a bit of potential there, but it's... It'd be a weird build. Yeah. And the other profile is Harry Goatleaf. So the guy who gets flattened by the gate in Fellowship of the Ring, he's also like a one attack, two wound kind of model, 40 points. He has two special rules. One is Lantern. He has a 12-inch radius of visibility, so it's not blinding light, but you would be able to see in that light. And then he has Gatekeeper, which is it's an ability where he, if he spends a will point on a 3-plus, an infantry model within 6 inches may not move that turn. So they may otherwise act normally. They can shoot, cast magic, uh, do whatever, but they cannot move. So he is historical allies with Fellowship as well. And he is uh, convenient allies with similar list of allies as Barlaman Butterbur. He can also be taken as an evil model, as an evil hero of fortitude in Sharky's Rogues, and also in the Sharky's Rogues Legendary Legion. Thoughts on this one? That's actually kind of gross. <laughs> like, so it's a three-up, you got three will, so... You get it off twice in a game normally, but like basically for 40 points, two times in a game, you can just be like, Aragorn, you're going to stand there for a turn. I don't care. Just chill, dude. Uh, that's pretty good. I don't know. Like I, I like the shenaniganry. And and he's got a might point too, so on one of them at least, he would only need a two up if he can boost that with might. But yeah, I agree with that. That's actually a pretty sneaky move <laughs> to yeah, ally him in. Can. Yeah, it says he can use might on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cheeky. The only thing is the lantern, which I don't really understand. I mean, I get it because it's like thematic, but it's a pretty big handicap because I don't see any positive sides to this. But the only negative I can see is that in the Clash by Moonlight scenario, you're just going to get shot to pieces because you're going to illuminate your whole army. And then, and then uh, you still can't see the enemy, so they're just going to take pot shots at you. And you can't like turn it off. They wrote that other rule first, and they're like, yeah, this is good. This is, like, really good. We need to give him, like, a bit of a negative. We can't just make his points cost ridiculous. He can't turn off his lamp. He can't it drop his lamp either. Yeah, he can't drop his lamp. It doesn't reveal, like, stock and scene, right? 
it's just as, as if it were daylight. So I don't think it reveals cloaked models. No, I wouldn't um, think so. I'm just thinking what kind of models with infantry keyword that'd be really annoying to use it on. Balrog. Uh, no monsters. Oh. Oh, no monsters. Oh, damn. <laughs> Ooh. What about you can stop like a bat from flying? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, good. I mean, it's rare that they'll be within six inches of him. Maybe not like at the beginning of the game, but later on the game when a bat is fighting nearby, you can stop him from moving. I guess like a banner as well, just like key models that like provides buffs or debuffs, stuff like that. I actually think he has uh, more potential than Barley Man, especially if you can take him as part of Sharky's Rogues. I mean, that's a pretty meme list right now, but if he can lead 12 troops as well, kind of adds some value there. Yeah. yeah. And I think he doubles their might, right? <laughs> From one to two. No, they, they have might. The new Legendary Legion, there are three new oh, heroes. I don't know how much might they bring. <laughs> I think one of them has two, and then the other two have, like, one, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not still, a lot. It's still yeah. nice to get any extra might in that list. Oh, God, my dog. So then on to uh, the Legendary Legions in this book. So the first Legendary Legion is the Black Riders. This is the nine ring rays from Fellowship of the Ring on their black horses, uh, one of them being the Witch King. And this list has a maximum of nine models, so just the Black Riders. What are your guys' thoughts on this list? Sorry, actually, Black Riders is not the first Legendary Legion, but we can talk about it first anyway. Theme, theme. Love it. Uh, like, Okay, well, we're going to talk about this in a future episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice to like see a way to run them, like the Ring Wraiths all together, mounted up. Because I know some people have tried doing that, and I really do think there is some potential there with this list. Like, like you are just going to mess around, but like at least with this, you can go mess around and have some like a lot of fun doing it with the special rules it gets. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation that they they have a lot of potential. Just having nine casters on the board at once, and potentially being able to take out the enemy leader early on, and they're the only army that can stack Harbinger. So I think if you have seven to nine ring wraiths, you have a minus three courage, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, so they can really like make an army very difficult to charge them. But there isn't really an upgrade to their combat ability or their stat line, other than the fact that they don't lose will while fighting. So when it comes to like a brawl or when they have to fight like a horde army, I don't really know if they'll hold up, especially at like higher points. Yes, if the opponent can dismount even, like, a few of them, it's just, it's going to be so hard for them to recover, because they'll just get pinned. Like, I don't even know, like, you have to be so precise with your movement. It's like Rivendell Knights, but, like, hard, because you're capped out at nine models. But you could do a lot of things, because you have so much magic and so many black darts that you could throw in a turn, or so many, like, channeled immobilizes, even though it's once a game for each of them, but still, it's weird. There is a lot of potential, though, I definitely agree with that. Winning like a priority roll off is super big deal because it means that all your raids are casting or all of them are not. Well, you probably want to keep a couple wraiths back, honestly, like two or two to three in a back rank, just so if you do lose that, you can still get some magic off and counter charge. So there's also been some discussion in the competitive community about some cheeky shenanigans with this list, where you can kind of go on certain objectives, or you can snipe enemy generals for a VP, and then basically end the game whenever you want. If the end condition is 
end at 25% because you can just dissipate your own wraiths. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, cool. I heard like <laughs> I heard like contests of champions. If you win the roll off, you could just throw like nine black darts at your enemy, and then have like a few of your wraiths use all their will, so you're at twenty five percent by the end of the first turn. <laughs> and then you I just mean, win. That's, that's still risky though. You, you, Not if you win the roll off. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like if if you do that and then you pop all your ring wraiths, but then you just don't get enough stuff right enough wounds if you don't kill the enemy oh, okay. leader then you're yeah, yeah. you're hooped yeah yeah but there's not many enemy leaders that will be able to survive a volley of black darts uh, yeah i guess that's true if you are going to do it till they burst they're all going to be on sixes or you can channel i guess a few of the black darts too for true. d3 wounds true one of the clear weaknesses that i've heard brought up many times is armies with bodyguard swarm protector or like some form of fury I think typically there's usually a hero that grants the source of that fearless. And uh, again, with enough black darts, you could probably eliminate that early. So I don't know if having like Fury or Bodyguard would make a huge difference if like the Black Riders player knows what he's doing. For sure. You're definitely just going to keep your like general just sitting at the back of the board, <laughs> just like waving his hand like, hi, guys, <laughs> go get him. Adam, lads. <laughs> Yeah, I think the biggest weakness for this army would just be shooting, probably number one. And I also think horde armies in objective scenarios, there's no way this list can kill enough troops. So you just swarm onto the objectives and you should be able to win. So I don't think this legendary legion would be that big of a problem in a tournament because I feel like in at least half the scenarios, they would be disadvantaged. Yeah, I think... It's got some fun rules. It looks like it would be interesting to play. It obviously has a lot of magical capability. And yes, we've coined a new term that's absolutely terrifying, a volley of black darts. Uh, (laughs) But really, yeah, again, it's a legion that maxes out at nine models. You only have one wound and two fate, two or three fate on all of your models. Once you dismount them, it's a little bit like all-mounted Rohan, where if you can start dismounting them, it becomes a real serious issue for them. So they definitely have some glaring holes, I think, in competitive tournaments. Decent number of scenarios they just can't really hold up in. So it looks like fun. It'll be interesting to see when we have tournaments again, uh, come back on and uh, admit that I was wrong for this opinion. But it looks like fun, but I don't really see it being huge competitively. We're never wrong, Alex. We're never wrong. (laughs) On the topic of low model count, the next Legendary Legion uh, that we'll be talking about is Breaking of the Fellowship. And this one has eight models, so even fewer. This is basically the Fellowship as they leave Lothlorien with the Gifts of Galadriel. Essentially, it's the Fellowship without Gandalf. Each of them have a gift that gives them a bonus. So they all come with Elven Cloaks for free. And the only option that you can take in this list is Bormir can have a shield, otherwise everyone's on foot. And they all count as having Fortify Spirit, and they all give each other banner effects. So Frodo gets to cast a 3-plus Blinding Light that cannot be channeled. He can't do it if he's wearing the ring. Sam has Elven Rope, which uh, he always counts as uh, rolling a 6 for Climb, Jump, or Leap tests. Mary and Pippin can re-roll Fail to Wound with their Noldoran daggers. Aragorn has Urukai Bane with his uh, Elven Maid dagger. Legolas can re-roll Fail to Hit rolls when he's within three inches of a friendly model. 
Gimli can reroll all dice in a dual roll because of Gladriel's hair, and he can use this ability three times a game. Bormir gains Woodland Creature with his Golden Belt, and they keep the Fellowship Army bonus, which is um, as long as Frodo is alive, every model counts as fearless, and they never count as broken. Thoughts on this one? I know that it adds up to 600 points, I think. I think it's a perfect way to run the Fellowship, honestly. If if you are going to run Fellowship, I think this is probably the way people are going to do it. And I just love everything that it adds to all the heroes honestly and like how they synergize really well with each other now because of the banner so you want to keep everyone together yeah honestly i think the next time there's a 600 point tournament you're gonna see uh, a few of these around and, and i wouldn't blame people it looks like a lot of fun definitely looks like fun i mean just like the black rider list only eight models but i like the variety of the special rules people say oh well you've got to take the hobbits in this list and i go yeah but now Mary and Pippin re-roll failed wound rolls. It's fun at least. Plus they have elven cloaks. That's 20 points. 20 points and they have elven cloaks and re-roll failed wound rolls. You can't go wrong with that. Well, Blinding lights. Aragorn, obviously a little bit situational. You have to be playing against Urkai to really make the most of that. Obviously you can't give him any of the upgrades. War gear. I think that's cool that Aragorn has an elven made dagger though. Normally he wouldn't have three plus to win ties unless... Yeah. He takes Andrel. Yeah. Do Mary and Pippin get them too? Are they Elven made? <laughs> they are not. What the hell? They're, they're FAQ. made. They're, FAQ. They're daggers of the Noldoran, but they're not made by elves. Um, How? How does that make any sense? I do really like, actually, like, it's a small thing, but honestly, Mary and Pippin now in this version of the Fellowship aren't actually, like, super weak, especially if you keep them close to Boromir, because they can steal his might points. But also, if you just keep them next to each other. Yeah, they're low fight, but they both provide a banner to each other. So they have a reroll in the fight roll, basically, and then they have a reroll to wound. So instead of being them like super weak hobbits, they kind of turn into, you know, your average warrior profile. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be afraid to throw like one of those guys into a, like a goblin. And I wouldn't be afraid that he'd lose that fight and die immediately. I'd be like, yeah, I think he can take it on, maybe kill one. Whereas like normally it's just like, oh, God, have fun dying. Everyone forgets that Pippin killed the orc that was going to kill Gandalf in The Return of the King. So, you know, they're not terrible. Now that I'm thinking about it, does Sam still gets free hero combats like when he's doing stuff for Frodo, right? Or does he have to run towards Frodo? That's in his uh, base profile. Yeah, I think it's it works similar to like a shield bearer and Derwine's rule. He has to try to join Frodo's combat if, if it goes off. Because I was thinking there'd be some shenaniganry you could, like, hurl combat with him and then use the rope to just, like, run across a gap or, like, through a over a hedge or something to get on a, an objective. I mean, you still kind of could, but you have to set it up so Frodo's there, so it's not, like, super likely, but... I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of shenaniganry you could do with this list. I like it. Also, just yeah. have to say, I love the fact that Legolas re-rolls to hit. I feel like he's basically going to go back to the way he used to be, where he's just going to be moving three inches around all the time, just constantly shooting. Because, I mean, three shots of four up re-rolling, it's pretty good. I think in, even on his, his uh, normal two-up, <laughs> at the beginning of the game, it, it's like almost a guarantee that you'll hit if you want to do the two-up. I think this list has potential at 600-point tournament. Like your three attack heroes, Bormir, Aragorn, and Gimli, being able to have always that banner re-roll makes them a lot more consistent, even though they're on foot. Yeah, the buddy system is key in this list. So the next Legendary Legion we'll be covering will be rangers of Athelion, which let's just skip it 
Yeah, so Rangers of Thillian didn't really change very much. It's exactly the same, except it now contains Amborn and Mablung. And both of them can lead Rangers of Gondor without counting towards a bow limit. I don't know if this changes the list that much at low points. In my opinion, I would still take Faramir, Madril, and Damrod first, but I don't know what you guys think. It'll probably change it a little bit at high points. If you don't want to take Frodo and Sam, then you can take those two Rangers. You know... I was really hoping for a Lothlorien Legendary Legion in this book. So the fact that it's not there and we have a reprint of this says to me we're going to get a free people's book with Legendary Legions in it for everyone. So that makes me happy. You're allowed to dream. (laughs) This is just hand-waving speculation. Ah, blah, 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 blah. I predict the future. Okay, the next Legion is Lurtz's Scouts. This is the army of scouts led by Lurtz and Amon Hen. So you get Lurtz, Ugluck, and Maher as the heroes in this one. And then Urkai Captain, Drummer, and Scouts. And there's only three rules to this uh, Legendary Legion. First one is Relentless March, which is basically the rule from Ugluck Scouts, allowing the free uh, Marauder upgrade on your Urkai Scouts. Second one is a Worthy Foe. This special rule was previewed on the Warhammer community last week. And it allows Lurts to have like a better heroic challenge. He can now challenge a hero from any tier, and uh, he regains his point of might if they decline. And then the last rule is shield throw. Once per game, he gets to throw his shield at an opponent if they're an infantry model, and it hits, they're not prone. After he throws his shield, he doesn't lose a point of defense because he already does lose that point of defense from carrying a bow, but he will not be able to shield after he throws a shield. So generally, I thought this Legendary Legion was a little bit underwhelming. What do you guys think? I think you can just have fun at low points running around bullying every hero you find with alerts. Like, honestly, go into a hero, heroic challenge him. If they decline, cool, jump into the next hero beside him and just leave that hero for normal Urukai to fight. Like, (laughs) you can just do silly things. Have some fun. Yeah, it's whatever. There's still potential when you get all all your guys running around at 8 inches a turn, though. That's, That's cool. I mean, the only reason I think I find it especially underwhelming would just be because the Relentless March rule is there from Ugluck Scouts. So it's not really different so much as just a, a variation of another uh, Legendary Legion. The uh, the Worthy Foe special rule I, I find looks like fun. Obviously, Lurts are not going to go up and, and challenge Aragorn, likely, because you'll get your head chopped off. But... He can go around to small captains and just start bullying things, which I find fun. Uh, Shield throw, it's a zero-sum game, that one, really, because Lurtz doesn't gain a point of defense for having the shield. So you do it once, and that's it, and you are still defense six. So you might as well knock something prone by throwing a shield at it, which I just find funny, but... I think you can combine throw shield and worthy foe, though, like... Yeah. You can even throw it at a hero with Heroic Strike, knock them prone, and then challenge yeah. them. And then that first turn, when Lurtz cannot call a strike, it doesn't matter if Lurtz loses, right? Because the hero that calls a strike can't strike him anyway. So it gives That's them that advantage the first turn. It's exactly what I was going to say. It kind of makes the challenge viable if he wants to go in and challenge like a Boromir or like an Aragorn. Because then after that, it's just going to become a strike off. And if he wins that first fight, you know, he's got six strength five attacks coming at you. That's That's gross. Uh, I, I want to like it so badly, but yeah, it's it just doesn't seem like it has enough. Like it has uh, some really themey and like fun rules, but 
competitively. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't have the it factor. I can kind of see it working maybe like a 300 to 400 list, but there's not a lot of tournaments locally around that points level where you take Lurts, Mahur, and Uruk Drummer, and then you just run around 11 inches and then, yeah, just hit people out of position and then take out a chunk of their flank and then run off and then, you know, play almost like a mounted Rohan list. <laughs> I mean, that could be fun, but um, I think once it gets into larger points, I mean, it just doesn't have enough tools to deal with any big hitters. Yeah, I think the problem for this list is ultimately that while it has a couple of good heroes, they're not great heroes. You get some half-decent troops, and then you use the Relentless March special rule, and your entire strategy is essentially run fast. That's it. It doesn't really have other aspects in my mind. You obviously get Urukai bows, which are decent. You don't get any real spectacular heroes, because Lurtz is good, Ugluck's good, they can both strike. But then really, your army's whole thing is run. I just noticed that the Urukai Scout doesn't have a point cost for the shield. I think it's a misprint. I doubt it's free. Yeah, they wouldn't even say point if it was free. <laughs> so. All right, so the next Legendary Legion we're going to cover is Depths of Moria. So this is a Balrog-themed Moria force, and essentially it has all your goblin options. It has your black shields, your prowlers, your black shield heroes, both forms of drum and the cave troll, uh, led by the Balrog. So the Balrog grants goblin models within six of him plus one to their fight. And then he has a similar rule to Baradur where as long as he has more than five wounds remaining, the army does not count as broken. If you manage to get the Balrog down to five wounds, your army breaks as normal. And as soon as the Balrog is slain, they automatically count as broken. The Moria drums now count for VPs towards scenarios that grant VPs for having a banner. And the range is increased to battlefield wide from, from 18 inches. The last part of this legion is the Balrog starts in a shadow form, which shooting attacks only hit him on a 5+. And then he can ignite and turn into flame on any turn, which uh, on a 2+, once per game, he can select an enemy model within 3 inches of him, and they're set ablaze. After he ignites, uh, he no longer gets the, the shadow special rule. A lot of interesting stuff. So in a previous episode, we talked about uh, the Balrog being overrated hero. Uh, definitely not in this Legion. <laughs> He's scary. Yeah, those special rules really make him a lot scarier than he already was before. But you do lose quite a few options. Moria being such a diverse army list with so many gimmicks and tools, you don't have marauders, you don't have bats, and you don't have a lot of things that you might want to take in a Moria list. You don't have your three might-named heroes, like Goblog have, and Durbers. Um, still have Shatter, though, right? Um, you, yeah, you do still have the Black Shield. Uh, that, that's the that's the one gimmick you still have. You got some gimmicks. I, I like it. I like it. Like, I was dubious, and then I think one of you guys pointed out that the drum counts as a banner for, like, objectives. So, yeah, it's good. And then, you know, fight three goblins isn't much, but still, it's helpful, I guess. It's something. Wait, does it affect the heroes, too? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's all goblin keyword. So that's good. Like, you're going to have a few captains in there, so them going up to fight four is something vaguely useful. (laughs) 
I, I, yeah, it's, I like it. And then he's got a couple cool special rules. No, I, I, it's good. It's good. I think you would just have to rely on the Balrog a lot more than how people used the Balrog before, because at least then you could take bat swarms and other tools, other threats. This one seems to be just like he's going to have to be the model that wins you the game. I wish that the uh, set of blaze was automatic though, since it's only once per game. But yeah, I think I see the potential in this Legion. I, mean, I don't know if it's my favorite one, but the passive unmentioned benefit of this is because you don't have all those special things, you're just gonna take goblins, so you're gonna end up with a ton of them. So like a huge horde with a really big threat might be pretty good. Yeah, and the weakness of this horde is uh, mitigated just like the Baradur special rule. You can't break this list until you take the Balrog down. So that's pretty scary for a horde list. I've never someone go. Oh yeah, I can't wait to reduce the Balrog to five wounds. Like, if that's the only way you can break the army, you stand a pretty good chance of not being broken. You can kill all the goblins, but if you can't reduce the Balrog, you can't break the army. And it's just so difficult to wound that, really, I think this is, like, this is one of those lists that's almost, it reminds me a little bit of Goblin Town, where you have very difficult to wound Goblin King and then a hundred goblins. It would be good in so many different situations. I can definitely see the potential of this army being something that definitely wins a tournament, because between your general being such a terrible thing to have to face off against, and then the number of troops that you can take with that, I'm not super concerned about the lack of a bat swarm. I obviously find them very useful in a Moria list, but I think the special rules more than make up for that loss. Okay. And the final Legendary Legion is Kirithungal. So this is the garrison at Kirithungal with Shagrak Gorbag from Return of the King. So the list essentially is Shagrak, Gorbag, Shelob, Orc Warriors, and Mordor Urkai Warriors. And so they get the animosity rule from Uglux Scouts, where if you pair off an Orc and an Urkai in the same combat, they get plus one to wound. And then Shagrak and Gorbag have a contest going, similar to Legolas and Gimli. Whichever one of them is losing, they can re-roll a single d6 when making a dual roll. And then Shelob gets two special rules. First one is she gains one attack whenever she charges... Oh, not, not charges. Whenever she's in a fight with a man, elf, dwarf, or hobbit keyword model. And the second rule is as long as she's not in combat at the start of her move, she can choose to kill a friendly model within one inch of her. And for that turn, she can re-roll all her dual roll dice. Sounds like there's a lot of good stuff in this Legion. Anyone like to start? I think at like 600 points, I want to say roughly, I'd have to like try and write up a list, maybe 700. This list will be pretty gross. Just because you kind of like, you don't have great mid-tier heroes, but they are good. And then you have Shellub in there, which can act as a really big threat now. Because she can like, because... I don't know, 65% of the games you're going to play, she's going to have two attack space whenever she's in combat, right? Like, that's a lot of army lists. And then you get the rerolls, too, if she eats an orc. So you kind of, you, you time it well, send her in. She will has a decent shot of taking down what she's going to, like, try and fight. Especially if it's, like, a hero that can't uh, strike. They're basically a goner. This is so. easily the most exciting list to me in this book as a Mordor player. Seeing Shagrat and Gorbag get that competitive special rule of competing for kills like Gimli and Legless, I was just over the top 
when I read that. That and animosity, obviously being able to kind of alternate between Orcs and Urukai to get that plus one is just nasty. Finally gives a purpose to Mordor Urukai in a Mordor-related list. Obviously take a very strategically strong pick like Shelob and Booster. I'd be afraid to play against this list somewhere between probably six and 700 points. I worry about it a little bit more around between 700 and 800 uh, just because of the strong heroes you'd come up against. I don't think Shagrat and Gorbag are really uh, in the running to stop an Aragorn or a Boromir, but I definitely think anything mid-tier with this list and these army rules, they'd definitely be able to sit around and pick on them. It would be like, I myself am sitting pretty on 43, and then Gorbag just stabs Shagrat instead. Fun times. <laughs> so I agree with a lot of these guys, what these guys have said. I think this is probably my favorite legendary legion in this book. Shelob is amazing. I think what I like in this list is we have the Orc Shaman. I think that's a big deal. So to be able to scale in higher points, because that's where a lot of the terror models start coming out. I think that's the big problem with the, the Black Gate Legendary Legion, is that that one doesn't have any shamans to deal with courage stuff. So I feel like that Legendary Legion isn't as viable. So I really think this one has potential. And with the animosity, like it's pretty scary if you throw in like an orc alongside Jagrat, then you're getting three attacks, strength five at plus one to wound. Yeah, and then he, he's knocking people to the ground. I definitely think, like, I kind of changed my mind when I said it couldn't scale. I actually think this could scale up pretty well, because even if you come up against a big hero, you just throw Shagrat at them for a couple turns, and then you pull him out, and then you send in Shelob to finish off the job. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. this, this is actually pretty nasty. Because Shelob has a uh, fight seven, right? So I, I think she can actually compete with the big hitters in Middle Earth. And then the other thing is... I'd be very tempted to make Gorbag the leader in this, honestly, if you have the Shaman. Because they're both, uh, Gorbag so, and Shagrat uh, are four. So right? one of the additional rules of Shagrat always has to be the leader, unfortunately. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that one. I didn't see that one. Okay. Shagrat also has three wounds and three fate, and he's defense seven. So to me, that would make him a better leader anyways. He just has more staying power. A couple of issues with this army at high points is, firstly, they're all defense five. And since only orc heroes can lead orc warriors and urukai heroes can lead urukai warriors, you are forced to take maybe more Mordor urukai than you want to. And they'll probably be focused down first against like shooting armies. And, and in combat, most armies will wound you on fives or fours. So that could be an issue at high points when you're kind of just bulking up on captains and numbers. But I think this one is probably the most competitive Legion in this book. I'd say this one or the Morio one. We'll, we'll have to kind of see which one plays on the field. I mean, like, Oglick Scout's one is scary, but that's at low points, and, like, the hero selection isn't great. Oh, you mean this Lurtz's? Is... Lurtz's no, no, I mean, I'm talking about the old one, because the, the, it's the other oh, one that okay. has the animosity rule. Oh, yeah. And this yeah. is, like, the same thing, but you actually have really good hero choices. So I'm pretty intrigued. I think this could do really well, honestly. So that has been our review of the profiles and the Legendary Legions in Quest of the Ringbearer. You can find more content over on our Facebook page. Just search Into the West podcast. Feel free to leave a comment and let us know what you think of the episode and also any suggestions that you would like to see for future episodes. 
Thank you all for listening and look forward to the next episode of Into the West.